0: Okay, the Surrender Series. Well, this whole thought of around the Surrender Series has been one that we encounter God at points of surrender in our life. If you've ever wondered, you know, how do I have an encounter with God? Well, it, it will generally always be around a point of surrender, where we get to a point where it's not our will, but His will. That's been the concept of the series. In the last three weeks, I've looked at things like uh, when Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment, his response, and we looked at his response as part of the the Jewish Shema prayer, one of dedication to God, that hearing is synonymous with obedience. In Hebrew parlance, in that original language, the concept was that if you obey, it means you've heard. But even if you hear, if you don't obey, it means you really didn't hear. So we looked at that one week. And then we looked at uh, the whole concept of another, one of those Hebrew parallelisms, that to love God can be expressed with loving people. Want to love God? Love people. Love your neighbor, specifically Jesus said. And then last week we defined who our neighbor is was so I want to continue today we're on a little bit of a different track but it's going to marry conceptually in the middle hopefully you'll see the continuity as we get into this today you know it's always amazed me uh, how two people can be looking at the same thing and seeing something different that is just like a human trait have you noticed that what about art Come on, someone smile at me at least. Let me know you're awake. What about art? Isn't it amazing that two people, one person can be standing there saying, that is a beautiful abstract about the nature of the interaction between the intergalactic blah, 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 blah or whatever and the other person standing there going, you paid $1,600 for dots and lines that my three-year-old could have painted. And it's like, but it's true. And that is common to humanity, not just with art, uh, having an eye for art or not having an eye for art. It is with every life situation we face. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, often we end up at points of tension with those around us because we are seeing things differently and the fact is we all have what we'd call in our English parlance a point of view we all have a point of view and I don't there there mean a point of view as in an opinion about a specific topic I'm talking broader I'm talking about a filter through which we see all of life we all operate with particular filters. And of course, we have very, very strong cultural lenses come into play. And these lenses are always at threat of being hijacked by our society, used by people often, who want to sell us something to get us to see the world a particular way, to get us to see ourselves a particular way. You're not pretty enough. Your phone is not new enough. You're falling behind with technology. You're driving. What? And those lenses of the way we see and what we value in our world can be hijacked by the culture of our world. And if we're not careful Our view of the world can be changed so dramatically that we no longer see the world the way that God sees it. Which is the whole point of the battle really between darkness and light. Is do we see creation and God's world the way he sees it? Or do we see it the way the system of this world sees it? The Apostle Paul put it this way in a great warning in Romans chapter 12 and he said don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out and and other renditions of that passage say things like do not let the world squeeze you into its mould and when we talk about being squeezed into the mold of our current world system and its value system, what we're really talking about is our worldview—is the way that we see the world. So that when we look out there, we get a particular image, and it might be very different to God. So what I or to God's image, and so what I want to talk to us today about is surrendering your view of the world. A point of surrender where we actually say, God, I want to see this world the way you see it. Right. Not the way my culture tells me I should see it. And, and not only the world, but obviously that begins with yourself. I want to see myself. I want to see the person next to me. And then I want to lift my eyes and see this whole world the way that you see it yeah. instead. And I would call that surrendering your view of the world or surrendering your worldview. And uh, I want to look at Jesus and his teaching in Luke chapter 11, verse 33 to 36. Jesus says these words No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. And then he says this interesting thought The lamp of the body. Is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is also full of light. And when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. And it's interesting what he says next because it's sort of like uh, it doesn't really make sense. It says, therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. I think what Jesus is saying there might not come across well in English, but what he's saying is don't be filled with darkness. Make sure that what fills you and what's on the inside of you is not darkness. You weren't designed to carry darkness, but to carry light. If then your whole body is full of light, having no dark part, the whole body will be full of light. As when the bright shining of a lamp gives its light. And it's interesting what Jesus says here. He's talking about having a good eye or a bad eye, having a a whole life filled with light or potentially with darkness, and it's all attached to the kind of eye that you have. Now, just reading that literally and just the way it's written, it would seem like, what's Jesus talking about? Is he talking about smiling and being happy versus giving someone the stink eye? The bad eye? This is probably where we get the evil eye from, literally. These passages like this in the New Testament. What's Jesus talking about? It's not a literal thing. He's actually using Jewish idioms. He's using little phrases that the audience of the day would have full well understood exactly what Jesus was saying. And we use them in English. We have so many. The, the Hebrews had them. We have so many of them in English, like to flog a dead horse. There's an idiom. And basically an idiom means that the, the meaning of a collective of words, a phrase, is different to what those individual words would really mean. But when you put them together, they mean something different. So if, if, for example, Levi and Talitha had tried to communicate to their Mandarin-speaking audience in Taiwan that, uh, you know, you should stop flogging a dead horse, those young Taiwanese people probably would have had images of someone in the corner of a paddock with a stick beating a horse carcass, going, I do not understand what you're trying to tell me we know that we're saying hey listen when the horse is dead dismount in other words if you've given it your best go and nothing's working it might be time to try something different stop flogging a dead horse a blessing in disguise what's a blessing a blessing in disguise we're talking about a a, a blessing that somehow got dressed up so that we couldn't recognize it well it literally yes A blessing in disguise is, wow, I thought this was not going to be good for my life, and this was a big challenge, but now I'm on the other side of the big challenge. This could potentially have been a blessing (laughs) in disguise. I grew out of it. So we use idioms all the time, and sometimes Jesus' words are lost on us, simply because he's using a Jewish idiom that the original audience would have picked up on straight away and understood exactly what he meant. And a good eye, or in uh, the Hebrew concept is a yin tava. A good eye is to actually see need around you. It's actually tied to generosity and compassion. I look around me and I see people and I see their needs and I am moved with compassion to meet their needs, to do something about it. And to have a bad eye or a yin ra'ah, is to be uh, closed to the needs of others. I have shut the shutters on my house. I'm not open for business and I can even walk past need. I can see need, but I don't see it because I don't do anything about it, is to have a bad eye. And the beauty of this passage is Jesus is saying, if you can change the way you view the world, if you can actually, if you develop a good eye, it's, the opportunity is for God to fill your whole life with light and your light becomes a light to all around you. Remember our original vocation as human beings, we were created in the image of God. God and our original vocation is to reflect the image of God to all creation and what Jesus is saying if you open your eyes and you have a good eye towards God's world then your whole body will fill with light you'll be someone that God is proud to put on display because wherever you go your life lights up the whole room so that everyone can see so this is the whole concept. I love how um, uh, a modern rabbi actually put this uh, this way. He said, Miserliness, miserliness, I think I got that right, <laughs> shuts a man off from his fellow men and from humanity itself. And then he makes this really great analogy. He says, If you look through a glass window, you see all the world. But if you cover one side with silver, it becomes a mirror and you only see yourself. And I know that's not Bible, but gee, it makes a lot of sense. And of course, what he's bringing in is this thought of silver on the back of a mirror. He's actually, that's a reference to our resources and what we do with our money. He's saying if you look out at the whole world and you're transparent and you are ready to see the needs of the world and engage them, well, you've got a big picture. But the moment money gets between you and the world, all you will see is a reflection of yourself. And this is the thought that Jesus is bringing across to this audience. Come on, God wants to fill our lives with light. And it all has to do with what we see. And we've got, you know, another idiom in our society is the, or I don't know whether you'd call it an idiom, it's more of a, um, what would you call it? Anyway, we won't worry about that. I won't think about it. The window of the soul. Who's heard that? That your eyes are the window of the soul. And possibly that would find its root in this kind of thinking as well. That... Uh, you know, your eyes either let light in or they shut the light out. And in Jesus' day, this was connected very, very closely to generosity and compassion towards those who are in need. Remember uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Shema. And uh, we looked at the concept that to hear is to obey. So Jesus was asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? His answer was to actually give a couple of lines out of the Jewish devotional prayer, the Shema. And of course, Shema is the Hebrew word for the first word in that prayer, which is hear. Hear, O Israel. And the fact that that word Shema, and in the original context in that language, to hear was to obey. They were inseparable. You knew someone wasn't listening when they didn't obey, just like parents know that with their children. But what you see there is like this parallelism that's used where mental activity is connected to physical action. And it's, it's the same with hearing, it's that, and with seeing... It's exactly the same. We see this so well in Genesis chapter 22. Chapter 22 of Genesis is Abraham going to sacrifice Isaac. And there's so many things to draw out of that story. But one of the the great things that comes out of that story is, of course, Abraham goes up the mountain. He's ready to sacrifice his son, believing that's what God wants. He's got his hand up in the air ready to go. And God stops him. And suddenly he realises there's actually a ram caught by its horns in a thicket of thorns right next to him. I don't know how he didn't notice that on the way up the mountain. So I figure, because he didn't, it was probably miraculous. Okay. And Abraham obviously thought it was miraculous as well. So he goes, he withholds his hand and, the, and he sacrifices the, the ram instead. And he calls that place. I used to always think that he called God this but he didn't. He called the place where he was Jehovah Jireh. So anyone who's been around in church life for a long time, like me and Murray, not Kaz, but me and Murray, uh, (laughs) uh, we would remember the old song, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Interestingly, what the Hebrew says is not provider, It doesn't need to because the inference is the same. It actually, Jehovah Jireh means the Lord sees. But there's this connection between mental activity and physical action. So so Abraham is like, you know, God has not only seen my need, but because he's a God of compassion and love, he's not only seen the need, he's actually filled the need. He's met the need. He's done something tangibly to express his commitment towards me. And he says, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. That's the same thought Jesus is bringing here. You know, Jesus uses this in other, other, all of his proverbs around the eyes or all of his parables and stories around the eye will come to light if you understand this. For example, the vineyard owner who goes out, or the, the farmer, and he hires some workers early in the morning. They come and work for him all day. He hires all day. He's even hiring people one hour before knockoff. And then at knockoff time, he pays everyone the same amount. And, of course, the people that had worked all day, through the heat of the day, are, like, pretty angry with that because they're like, that's not fair. I mean, if, if he's worked one hour and he gets a shekel for a day's work, surely I get eight or whatever. You know what I mean? And Jesus says, is your eye bad? Because I'm generous. It's actually a test of the heart. Is your eye bad? Because I'm generous, it's my money, I can do with it what I want. But because of my generosity, it's actually revealed a bad eye in you. And that's the whole concept. Our generosity or our, our, the, the, the quality of our eyes, our ability to see, is actually measured by our response to need. By our response to generosity. And when Jesus was saying these things, he's not saying something new. This is the thing, and, and we've looked at this in this series particularly. Jesus was Jewish. I mean, who would have thunk it? <laughs> um, but we often miss this stuff because we forget he was a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish teacher. And uh, and Jesus wasn't saying something new. As a matter of fact, he was just bringing stuff straight out of the Torah in his teaching. And most of his teaching, he might have been re re uh, sort of reinventing it a bit and reapplying things but they weren't foreign concepts if you look at the Torah if you look at the law of Moses if you look at the Levitical law and the law of the priesthood and the law of sacrifice and all of those things that ancient Israel practiced, the fact is ancient Israel isn't a lot different to the nations around them at the time the nations around them at the time had strict dietary laws that were connected to their gods. The nations around them had strict sacrifice laws that were connected to their gods. What the difference was, is that the gods around them were fickle and cruel and inhumane. The kind of sacrifice they practiced were things like child sacrifice. And what made Israel's God stand out more than anything is that he tied compassion and generosity and meeting the needs of the needy and equated it to worship with him that begins in the earliest jewish writings and then it finds a pinnacle before christ in the prophets and we have things like hosea in hosea chapter 6 saying um saying this for i desire mercy and not sacrifice hang on a sec this is the old testament i thought this god was all about sacrifice And I think what God is saying is, hey, if you think you need sacrifice to somehow approach me, do it by all means. I'll give you a system. But ultimately, that's not what I'm about. What I want to see is mercy. I'll know you've heard when I see mercy. I'll know you've seen when I see mercy. Goes on to say, it, 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 "I want the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings." In other words, I'm in this for relationship. You think, you know, you think burning an animal on the altar, you think that's what I get pleasure in. That's not what I want. I want you to know me. Yeah. I want to be in relationship with you. And when we hear, we act, and the way we act is toward those in need. And God knows, you've heard. And you've seen. And what we're actually doing is reflecting who he is. Like, why is Jesus so adamant about a good eye and a bad eye? And why is it attached to generosity? You know, he goes as far as to say this, where your treasure is, that's where your, your heart will be as well. Your whole focus and motivation of life will be attached to what you do with your finances and this is because again our original vocation is to reflect the character and nature of God, if we are stingy as people who say we believe, what we're actually reflecting is a stingy God We're, we're actually saying I don't really believe God cares for me and I certainly don't believe he provides for me so I've got to do everything for myself and it's an inaccurate reflection of who God is. When we have a revelation of God's goodness, kindness, care towards us, his provision, Jehovah Jireh, and we live that way and we, live, we begin to live that way towards others. Hey, God looks after my need, therefore I'm not a pie that, you know, who, he who dies with the la- most toys wins. I'm a river through whom the blessing of God flows. People look at that and go, that God is good. We're actually reflecting. Are you okay? I'm not angry. I'm just excited. Is that okay? Don't, don't read me wrong. Okay, so I better tie this off. Get the eye right and light floods your soul. You know, in everything I've said this morning, this is not about rebuking us for having bad eyes. The fact is, you're sitting here. You're committed. This is a missions church. This is a community care church we are involved all over the place and we do meet needs every week as a collective. I do think we have to consider and not just sort of go, oh, well, I give a little bit there, so that takes care of it. We've all got to be responsible wherever we are all the time. But this isn't about rebuking a bad eye. This is about the promise that Jesus is actually saying. If your eye is good, your whole life will fill with light. Yeah, a number of years ago I was up in, um, in Bali and I'd gone up to Indonesia for a, a f- bit of a flying trip into West Papua uh, or Irian Jaya it used to be known and of course annexed by the Indonesian military and, and terrible things happening up there the kind of things that happen with that kind of thing going on and uh, I'd gone up and I, was, uh, I went packed light <laughs> with three cotton shirts, a couple of pairs of shorts and we were headed into the jungle but I got to Bali and that night there was a massacre up in West Papua. and the people who were getting us in there said you just can't go it's just gone nuts you just can't come so I spent a day in Bali and then decided, and just headed back to Australia <laughs> um gee they gave me a hard time at the airport for going to Bali for one day with three shirts in my backpack I tell you I didn't think I was ever going to get out of that airport without a strip shirts but thank you Jesus I did um but you know, just before I left, I had this empty bag and uh, dumped all my food, dumped all the supplies that I'd taken up and uh, and I thought I'd go down to the markets that were down, just down from the motel where I was in Denpasar and um, they were cheap markets known as that, the kind that you barter, you know. And we had small children and I'm like, I'm just going to go down, I'm going to get all the bargains, you know, and I'm going to, I'm really going to screw them down on the price and you know because that's like a trophy isn't it when you get something cheap and I went down there and I realized that that these little narrow shops which I mean were that wide that was their house as well and they were sleeping in inflated car tire tubes with their mattresses um and so you know my heart broke over that and so I began to barter, but I began to barter up. It took a while for them to realise what I was doing. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, 800 rupiah. I said, I'll give you 1,000. 800 rupiah? I'll give you 1,200. 800 rupiah. Uh, okay, I'll give you 1,400 took a little while but when they lit up they lit up and I was a very popular man and I dumped all of my cash and all the church's cash (laughs) I just dumped it on these people had a ball, it was so much fun I brought all these hot tuna t-shirts all these knockoffs. you know they went through the wash once (laughs) shrunk and fell apart what didn't shrink fell apart, disintegrated I've never felt bad about it I walked away from there And I didn't realise it at the time, but thinking back, this is the thing that came to my mind. That day, my whole life filled with light. That's what Jesus is talking about. Have you got a good eye? Have you got a good eye in your marriage, towards your marriage partner? Can you look beyond resentment for what didn't happen for you or, or what's happening that shouldn't be? Can you look beyond that? And see them with compassion. And see them with generosity. Shower them with words. I I still cringe when I see guys and they've been married 40 years. I always forget the birthday and don't get it much anyway. She's not much on gifts. I haven't met a woman who's not much on gifts. And I only recognize it because I used to be that idiot. For the first couple of years, convincing Sue that birthdays aren't a big thing. And I didn't, I didn't equate it to this, but I look back now and I think, I had a bad eye, even in my marriage. I've caught myself at times speaking to my wife in such a way, to my spouse in such a way, and I think, would I speak to someone in the church like that? Even a stranger who'd arrived the first time? It's like, no. Well, there's something very wrong with that even sounds like wood doesn't it I've had to become convicted of those things and develop a good eye what about our kids Wow! instead of seeing them through the lens of frustration seeing them through the lens of compassion and potential and that takes faith sometimes it does but wow a house that does that would fill with light wouldn't just be your body it'd be the whole room would fill with light what about the workplace what about the schools or universities where we attend what if we saw people graciously and compassionately and generously and filled the room with light as God fills us with light it's a powerful thought isn't it and look that's why we've been involved in missions and will continue to be That's why we do community care and all of those things. And I've harped on this a bit, but my concern is to be truthful, our giving has dropped off on those things during COVID. And I think it's because COVID has had this potential as much as we've been isolated, we've done better than anyone on the planet. It's had the ability to shrink our world to about a two and a half inch screen. And we can be tempted to put the shutters on the windows of our house, of our soul, and not look out beyond ourselves at people whose the needs haven't changed—they've only become more desperate for the people we partner with. And we have an opportunity to just choose today. Man, I, I, I need to develop my eyesight. I've—I've I've got to have eyes for others an eye for others in the same way that someone who likes art has an eye for art. They can see what needs to be seen. And Jesus is saying, hey, if, if, if you can develop that kind of eye for others, your whole life will fill with life. Would you stand with me today? I'm gonna to ask us some really quick questions as we stand together, really, really quick. Number one is, do you have faith that God is your provider? That's a good place to start. Do you have faith God is your provider? Is this faith reflected in in your generosity toward others? Can you quickly identify anyone in your world that's in need? Because if we can't, what does that say about our eyesight? Because this world is full of need. But if we can't quickly identify it, it's there. We just don't see it. Can you identify ways that practicing generosity has changed you as a person? Has has generosity and your eye towards those in need, has it opened the windows of your life? so much that you recognize things that were once dark and now light and maybe maybe a really pertinent question to ask in this season that we find ourselves in is is my life does my life seem or feel darker since covid Because I think COVID's had the the ability to do that, even though we haven't been massively affected, most of us haven't been. It's had this ability to actually shut us down and see smaller and see less. Father, just standing in your presence here today, we want to commit ourselves to you. We, We want to commit our ability to see we want to commit our worldview surrender our view for your view help us to see your world your way help us to see need around us help to see others full stop help us to be gracious and generous and compassionate help us to respond to what we see with practical things practical steps in response help us to see the world your way and if you're here with us this morning and you know maybe your eyes have been a bit closed to God but this morning you feel like they're opening a bit I just encourage you opening your heart to Jesus changes the way you see everything And right where you stand, maybe you have the opportunity this morning, you can open your heart to Jesus. Right where you are and say, Jesus, I open my eyes to you. In doing that, I'm opening my eyes to see the world your way, a whole different way. Help me to follow you. Friend, it's that simple to begin a journey with Jesus. And you can do it right where you stand today. Thanks, Levi. What Chris? A fantastic message. I hope.